Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. How about a little follow-up? Brian, we have talked about AI on the show several times, and your disdain for use of the word artificial intelligence. It's just bandied about a bit haphazardly, wouldn't you say? I would agree. I would agree. Now, I found this link this week, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, It's from the EFF, and it is the AI Progress Measurement page. It's from EMF? It's unbelievable. Not EMF. EFF. Okay. (laughs) And it it is a pilot project collecting problems, metrics, and data sets from AI research, from the AI research literature. Yeah. And it's tracking the progress, uh, which is, you know, minimal. It's a very long page. It I has do, a lot of things that I can't really understand. I, I was about to say, I spent an hour on this page. Uh, it's It's got a very Web 2.0 top. And then as soon as you scroll past the banner at the top, it is very much 1984 web. Yes. And uh, if, if you want to just stare at a lot of charts uh, that tell you that in some ways AI is getting be- as good as people and in most ways it's not and really burn your brain out for about an hour and a half, by all <laughs> means, this is a fantastic page. <laughs> I'm just saying they, they could have made it a bit more user friendly. This could have been the the if you want to go deep page and then there should have been just a quick page with hey, here's where we're at. Yeah, a summary, a Reader's Digest version. Yes. And I love all the code that they have in here because it's not really AI code. It's just a bunch of function calls. Yes. And I'm like, okay, the function calls with arguments. That doesn't really <laughs> tell me a whole lot. It tells me how maybe you use it, but it doesn't tell me really what it's doing. No. No. It, it, it's a start. It's a start, it's a start. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep, keep an eye on it. Maybe someday we'll get a good AI that can come back and fix up the page for us. That's right. I can't wait for these self, uh, self-programming pages. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the future we have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Now, we've also talked a lot about not being able to get jobs in programming because we're owed. Well, to be fair, we also don't want jobs in programming anymore. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I mean, it, it, part of that is because we couldn't get jobs. I'm like, ah, screw this, you know, because having to take crappy contract jobs for like, you know, a third of what we used to get paid. And it's like, ah, it's too much work. You're working, you know, three times as hard for to make the same money as you did 10 years ago. And it's like, we are too yeah. old for that. Well, yep. the, a South Korean company, a new startup called Everyoung, mm-hmm. is only hiring people over the age of 55, which means we still can't get a job there. Right. We're screwed. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Goldie <laughs> fucked zone. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. But now the thing about this company, they're only working four hour shifts and they okay. have to take 10 minute breaks every hour. <laughs> I'm like, OK, that's a pretty sweetheart deal right there. You know, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much money they make. Now, here's the real problem with what the company does and why I wouldn't want to work there. Okay. They're a content monitoring company. Oh. Yeah. These are the people that have to look at the dickies all day. Now, I mean, I feel bad for the, you know, the 85-year-old guy at the grocery store down the street that has to bag my groceries, even though Mm -hmm. they've been kicking him out and bringing in uh, developmentally disabled people to do that job. I can't believe you were so PC right there. I was like, I don't have a mute button, but my phantom finger was over my phantom (laughs) mute button. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, but even the old guy at the grocery store can't keep his job. And Mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I feel bad for that guy when he did have a job, but it's like to get to that stage in life, it's like, oh, I've made it. Um, I, I'm not dead yet. And then have to go take a job looking at, you know, withered old schlongs all day and hitting deny, deny, <laughs> deny. I, I really would just put a put a plastic bag over my head and call it quits. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll take Walmart greeter over that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are you going to do? Speaking of that. That okay. job may not be around too much longer. I'm going to skip ahead one story because that's a good segue. Uh, Sears and Kmart are closing more than 43 more stores as the retail crisis continues. We've been talking about this, the the epic collapse of the retail infrastructure in this country. Uh, Sears Holdings continued its steady drip of store closures as of this week or this last week because this comes out on Monday with the announcement that it would close 35 more Kmart locations and eight more Sears stores. These, uh, There's no, unfortunately, there's no estimate as to exactly how many people are now out of a job but you got to figure those are big stores quite a few now the interesting Uh, thing about that is employment mm. went up this month in the u.s so where are those jobs coming from yeah i don't entirely understand that so well these people haven't been laid off yet they're they they would this would be next month's okay so so we we shall see where that goes yes yes exactly well uh jc penny has said it will shut another 138 locations so that's coming soon as well which is roughly 14 percent of its stores and give buyouts to six thousand of its employees which is a nice touch well done there uh macy's plans to shut down an additional 68 stores radio shack which has been seeking bankruptcy protection twice in the last two years has closed more than a thousand locations since memorial day weekend and one-time ball favorites beeb the limited and wet seal are all closing or in the process of closing forever all of their storefronts wow Retail, that's a lot that's not that, i mean we're talking the entire universe that you and i grew up in jason yeah is, is roughly gone everywhere our parents took us to shop to get clothes everywhere well we didn't you know we're dudes we didn't shop at beeb or the limited but i mean all these stores that we walked around the malls when we were teenagers are gone yeah gone so it's a different world it's the bezos apocalypse <sighs> It pretty much is. So that is continuing. And a quick follow-up on drones. We have been discussing the various things that the FAA is trying to do with drones, including the uh, registration site that they had set up that required all people to go and register their drones, which we both approved of. I I think it makes sense. You Mm -hmm. want a drone, it's going to fly in the air, it could potentially fall or anything or whatever. You have to have a license. You have to have a license for a motorcycle. You have to have a license for a car. You have to register these things. So register a drone makes sense. Only cost five bucks. Well, never mind. They've decided that you can now deregister and get your money back <laughs> because if you are flying your drone purely for recreation, not for a profit, you no longer have to register with the FAA. They are hoping that you will do so anyways, but due to a federal court ruling, they will now re- give you refund you your money and remove you from the list. Yeah, too bad. You know, too we bad, yeah, we talked about this, this makes like four sense. Ep- yeah, about four episodes ago we talked about it and all the industry insiders are uh, you know, they're for registration and yep, like no, we, we don't get- yeah, we don't want you to not have this. We will get to that later because we have a story about that. Yes, we do. Oh well. I, I, if I had a drone, I could get my 5 bucks back, but I don't. In the news. We have talked about the Internet Day of Action that's coming up around net neutrality this coming yep. uh, July 12th. Can't wait to leap into action. Yes. What are we going to Here I come to save the day. Does, what, do what, what, are, what, what are we doing this time? Are we are we putting some sort of ribbon up on our pages? I are we turning backgrounds no. black? Or, yeah. Okay. Right. No, I don't yeah. know. Right. I am. Yes, I am actioned out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll find out on July 12th and see what everybody else does. 
Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I mean, we don't really have a website that anybody goes to or cares about anymore. So, mm-hmm. uh, and if you're interested, go to GOG.show, get the show notes and old episodes if you like, but nobody <laughs> does. Uh, well, we said it wasn't really going to matter until Facebook and Google joined up. Well, they have. Okay. We don't know what they're going to do, but apparently they're going to do something. There's about 170 companies now that have, you know, jumped on the bandwagon. So we'll see. And they're, they're pretty big names. And, uh, but even Etsy's in there who have just laid off, what, 25% of their workforce? Hmm. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do there? Right. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, what we asked for is happening, but we'll see what, uh, what comes of it. I'm guessing nothing. Yeah, me too. The internet, well, you know what? We have been pessimistic on this front before, and uh, we were wrong before, you know? Except for the fact that we're sitting here talking about it again. Right, but the fact that we're we're talking about it again means that it hasn't happened yet because of the things that happened before. So Okay. All of this has happened before, Jason. I know. So, uh, yeah, just keep the ball in the air is pretty much what we're trying to get get through here. And we've Mm -hmm. also talked about the internet of things. Yep. Uh, the Pew Internet Study. Pew, pew, yes, pew, 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 pew. We love the Pew Internet Studies. They come out all the time. Um, apparently, the Internet of Things is not slowing down. Yes. Uh, and it's going to keep going and going and going until the, everything that you have can be hacked. I'm sure. Are we surprised by this? Jason, you are an enabler of this. Uh, how so? I don't I don't have the smart light bulbs. L- let me read the little quote that that is is right here that you put in the show. Mm-hmm. Despite wide concern about cyber attacks, outages and privacy violations, most experts believe the Internet of Things will continue to expand successfully the next few years because people like Jason DeFilippo hook up their crazy Chinese cameras. That's, that's right there. System. That's exactly what you posted in there. The uh, whole yeah, yeah. sentence. Yeah, but I didn't write it. <laughs> For fuck's sake, I didn't write it. You, I Hey, know. don't you have uh, internet-enabled lights in your house? Uh, you know what? They never actually worked quite well. They, they, they kept dropping, and I it kept, it kept like disconnecting from my Wi-Fi, even though everything, it wasn't that far away from the base station, so I eventually just unplugged the damn thing. Yes, but technically, you have a more internet-enabled house than I do. So. Well, no, because there's none of it's plugged in. Well, you tried anymore. You attempted. Just because you <laughs> failed doesn't really that doesn't it was kind of into I, it. I will say it was kind of cool to say. Uh, I, I, well, I can't let me change my words here. <laughs> they turned on the Millennium Falcon. That was awesome for a while. Mm, I'm and sure it just was. Just turned on a damn light. So, anyways, <laughs> not so much fun. Uh, let's talk about people losing more jobs, shall we? Oh, sure. What do we got now? Well, Google is now funding a new software project that will automate writing local news. This isn't not this isn't new though. They've been trying to do this forever. I don't no, think Google's been trying to do this forever. Now, yeah. if you read the story that I put in here, it talks Hell about no. how the Associated Press has been doing this for a while. It's mm-hmm. been using automation software to generate stories about corporate financial quarterly earnings, which is basically just regurgitation of numbers. What this is is Google is basically funding an initiative to actually do real stories, not just regurgitation of fact, but like let's go ahead and let's have some natural language processing going on here. Let's scan police blotters and let's generate actual stories. Interesting. Yes. So more uh, more local reporters being put out of business in theory. I uh, love this. You know what the software project is called? What's it called? Radar. Reporters and data and robots. Oh, God. oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've checked out your local paper recently with your local reporting. I actually do. It's quite funny. Uh, uh, I, think I mean, okay. Might, robots might, might be do a, a better job. Up. Yeah, this really might be a step up. <laughs> 
There's some yeah, pretty that... incoherent stuff in, in the local suburban newspaper out here. That is fair. So let's continue on with layoffs. Uh, that the, these are that was potential layoffs. Now let's do real layoffs. And, and what should shock nobody? SoundCloud is laying off forty percent of its staff to stay afloat. The only thing I find shocking about this is it's not a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Because they were they were really teetering on the edge not too long ago. Nobody thought that they were going to make it out make it out of the month, and they they did. But yeah, it's it's still not going to work. Sorry, it's just guys. crazy. People are, keep throwing money at SoundCloud, even though everybody knows it's not going to happen. They're, wait, uh, they're waiting for somebody to buy them, but nobody wants but it. But nobody's buying. There's Spotify was looking at it. That fell through. Twitter was considering it and said they didn't buy them, but then invested $70 million, which you'd think would have paid for it. If $70 million isn't getting you the kit and caboodle of SoundCloud, I don't know what would. Yeah. Seriously, what do they have? A bunch of other people's music. <laughs> they have other people's music. They and got a really... bunch of hard drives and a player and a bunch of other people's music. There's really no, there's nothing there. And it's an already outdated back end. Yeah. So what the hell? No. <laughs> Anyways, so that's happening. Microsoft is actually laying off 3,000 people. What? Uh, but this is this is more of a radical reorganization of its sales business. So. Ah. They, they will cut up to 3,000 jobs, mainly in the sales department, which is less than 10% of their actual total sales force, and roughly 75% of those cuts will be outside of the United States. Uh, the reorganization effort is uh, basically being done to focus up on building up Azure, which is their cloud platform, which is not really competing very well at the moment with Amazon and Google. So It's, not, they are, it's actually not doing that bad, though. I know a lot, of, doing a lot of companies are on there. Me too. I know a ton. It's yeah. actually somebody was saying to me that, you know, you should look into that and come get up to speed on it. And I was like, I don't want to do that sort of stuff anymore, but it looks nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, I mean, I did get up to speed on it for a bit and uh, it it's, it's actually really nice. And I know a lot of companies and a lot of friends, what they're doing is they're running stuff on AWS and Azure to mm-hmm. um, now you got me saying it's Azure. Not Azure. I know. <laughs> Azure makes it sound so much nicer, though, doesn't Azure. it? Azure. Azure, baby. And yeah, they're, what they're doing is just double duty. So if one goes down, like, you know, when the mm-hmm. when the lightning struck the AWS factory in Virginia and everybody had lost their Netflix for a day, uh, they're doing just uh, dual, basically dual systems. So if one goes down, they can fail over yep. to the other one. It's a, yep. it's a smart redundancy play. I got to give them that. I mean, by all accounts, it's a better product, but, you know, beta VHS, we've seen this before. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just compute, you know, it's a, it's a computer yeah. that you don't own. <laughs> that's really what exactly. it is. That's, that's and what the, it always the, comes down to, but it, uh, well, that, that battle's lost, Jason. <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. I, I'm miss racking my own servers. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, another company that, uh, has basically disintegrated Jawbone, which is, uh, one of the, one of Fitbit's competitors, a fitness mm-hmm. tracking company once worth $3 billion dollars. Hear that Snapchat is shutting down and liquidating its assets. So it is a come and gone. They made fitness trackers and Bluetooth speakers. Um, The founder and CEO, Hossein Rahman, has started a new company called Jawbone Health Hub. He is married to this Jawbone. I really likes that Jawbone thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So which is smartly going into the medical software and hardware business. That is a that is a huge growth area so good luck well, hopefully that. his hardware and software for the medical business is better than his jawbone software and hardware because <laughs> i know a lot of people that got the jawbone and they just said it was shit it would fall apart didn't track properly that's why they i mean jawbone failed because to be they fair sucked. not not <laughs> tracking properly is kind of endemic throughout the entire industry 
Ah, uh, well, I like I my Fitbit tracks pretty damn well. My Apple Watch tracks pretty damn well. So, um, okay. you know, I don't wear the Fitbit anymore because the Apple Watch actually does track so well. After I did that fourteen mile test, right. and they were off by like you know point zero zero one percent. I'm like, okay, now I don't, I don't now I only have to charge one thing. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I meant to ask, uh, have you gotten your AirPods yet? Not yet. Okay. After you get them, I, I, we're going to have a chit chat about it because I think you're going to have to buy an Apple Watch after that because have to. They really kind of go well together. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I telling you. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving back on. Sorry, Jawbone. Uh, you won't okay. be missed. Nobody used you anyway. I think I'm done with firings at this point. Uh, now I'll just talk about jobs that aren't coming to the U.S. and are going to Canada instead. Wonder why. Mm-hmm. Google's newest AI team is setting up in Canada, and there are two reasons for this. Uh, Canada has a long history of AI research, believe it or not. Um, there's a broader AI research community in Canada than in the US. Uh, most of the AI researchers in Silicon Valley are actually from Canada, mm-hmm. where they plugged away at deep learning, complex automated processes of data analysis uh, at universities there. So it's very popular in the universities in Canada. Secondly, the Canadian government is friendlier to AI research than the US, and what would argue research in general if you've even read the news wow okay so interesting so there you go so yes google has decided to set that up and i think even though this article over at recode does not discuss it you and i have talked about the uh, whole visa issue that we're running into in the u.s so it makes sense for a lot of these companies to set up somewhere where they can bring in people without having to go to fucking court yeah yeah and, and canada's close enough you know just to hop skip and a jump across the border that they mm-hmm. can uh, just load up up in Canada. Yeah. Yep. So I'm surprised nobody's going to Mexico. Maybe that's next. They're just going to surround us on both sides with great, you know, great tech minds. <laughs> and then we'll just be here in the middle picking our nose going, where'd all the tech people go? Yeah. Speaking of that, guess where Tesla is building the world's largest backup battery? I know, but why don't you tell me, Brian? In Australia, not here. <laughs> but this is <laughs> this is actually part of a bet. I know. This is actually kind of... This is why I like Elon Musk, and this is yeah. why it must be fantastic to have a $20 gazillion to just be able to do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. So blackouts left 1.7 million residents without electricity in Australia, and Elon Musk basically just made a bet that Tesla could supply 100 megawatts of battery storage in 100 days, and if he couldn't do it, it would be free to Australia. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see if he makes it. We'll see. He's got to get his ass. He's got. To, he's spread a bit thin right now. He's got the boring company trying to finish a a, 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 a hole to a parking lot. He's got a <laughs> Tesla trying to launch a whole music service right now, as well as an additional car. Yeah, and now he's got 3, a. Yeah. And now he's got a hundred day bet going on in Australia to big build the largest battery pack in the world. Oh, so. and there's that little side project about sending shit to space every every month. Oh yeah, he's still doing that. Yeah. Forgot. Yeah. Busy he must guy. get up very very early in the morning. I would hate <laughs> to see his calendar. Me too. Uh, going back to drones for a minute. Uh, an Arizona man, 54-year-old Gene Allen Carpenter, has been arrested and, uh, with, and charged with 14 counts of felony endangerment and one misdemeanor of uh, unlawful operation of an unmanned aircraft. This comes back from a couple months ago when he was flying his little drone a little too close to the aircraft that were trying to put out a forest fire. So Good. Go yeah, to jail. Lock this guy up. I, lock him this, up. Lock <laughs> him up. But his drone mails. Um, anyway, I'm glad to see that they finally <laughs> caught this guy because what a tard. Yep. Well, it could be a lot easier to catch these guys. If only we would pass some sort of 
actual legislation regarding registration and identification of drones, as we discussed in the follow-up. It is going on and on and on, and we are not getting anywhere. So what they are talking about now is there's this group called the Unmanned Vehicle Systems International. It's an industry group for drones, which has put out a call for proposals for remote identification systems for drones. Now, this is even better than just the registration, because if you registered your drone, theoretically, then somewhere there's a social uh, social security number. (laughs) (laughs) That, well, you know, that would make sense. There's some sort of identifying number on the drone, so if it were to crash somewhere and you were to find it, you would be able to match the number to something, but that does not help if the drone is in flight and if you do not physically get a hold of it. Right. What they're talking about doing now, which this makes even more sense, and this was brought forth by DGI, which is Mm -hmm. a consumer drone maker. They submitted a proposal that requires drones to transmit their location and registration number via radio equipment that is already aboard most drones, just like everything else that fucking flies. Yep, yep. So it makes sense. Yes, there you go. I don't know why this is not being adopted immediately. I, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but hey, we can't have nice things. Well, they're going to try and just get all of the other companies that make drones on board, which, you know, makes sense. But yeah. for, for DJI, because, you know, the, the privacy people are going to, you know, boycott DJI, which would be terrible for them. So they're not going to, they want everybody to go in at once. And hopefully yeah. they'll get it done because it does need to happen. It's like, yeah, it's, it just makes sense. And that way, you know, if there's a drone that's flying that doesn't have its transponder on, then they can send out the eagles to take it down. Yep. Release the eagles. <laughs> oh, Ticketmaster is in the news. Sadly. I saw this. So, I, I love the story. The story's cool. Yes. Yeah. So what they're trying to do, instead of going, standing in line with your phone, holding up the QR code and swiping 17 times if you got 17 people with you. I, we had to do this at Hamilton when we went and saw it, and it was just such a pain to get, mm-hmm. like, you know, we had six people. To get six people in the door, you had to sit there. They scan the QR code. You swipe it. They scan it again, scan it again, scan it again. And if not all the people are there trying yeah. to coordinate that, an even bigger problem. Again, it's like I, every time I'm at a checkout at any store ever, I'm like, how have computers sped any of this up? Why is everything so much slower? Yeah, those damn chips in the cards. Oh, chip and pen. Evil. Uh, Mm -hmm. So anyway, what they're trying to do now is they've got a new system where you just swipe your phone. It's like going to the airport, you know, and when you're getting on the plane with your e-ticket, you just stick your phone on it and go. They're they're trying to do that with their new app, and it uses audio signals. So it generates like a custom tone. And for them, there's a couple of reasons that this is good. A, it helps cut down on fraudulent tickets, Mm -hmm. and it also lets them track you even more granularly so they can offer yes. you more things yes because now they have direct access to your phone your mm-hmm. email you probably your cell phone numbers so they can and they know what shows you're going to specifically so they can market to you mm-hmm. now what i am waiting to see if because ticketmaster has a wonderful long history of doing this to you is how much they're going to charge you for this convenience to yeah. you which is actually more of a convenience to them so i'm sure there's going to be now a five dollar extra fee if you want to be able to use this awesome e-ticketing system which actually makes things much easier for them yep uh I still Ticket stand master. by paper tickets. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, it's just so sad now because these kids, kids these days, you know, I, mm-hmm. it was just, it was what a year ago. It was right before my kid was born. I was going through a box of old stuff and I found a huge trove of like 400 ticket of the old style ticket stubs, yeah. not even just paper printed out by yourself. The old style ticket stubs of all the shows I went to when I was a kid. It was amazing. Those were great. Yeah, yep. you should you should put them all in like a photo book just so you have it and stick it on a shelf somewhere. Yep, I really should. Some of them are even starting to fade, which is kind of a bummer, but what are you going to do? So, you can always scan them and make a 
make a photo yeah. library. <laughs> Who's got that kind of time? <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, um, yeah, I love paper tickets. So yeah, when we had the problems at Hamilton, I got tickets for Billy Joel for my dad on uh, mm-hmm. at Wrigley Field soon. So I got I printed out paper tickets for everybody. I'm like, we're not going through this again. Nice. Well, in other news, Virgin Galactic is back uh, following the, tra- the crash that they had back in 2014. Uh, the first flight that they have done, res- they've resumed powered test flights for the first time since then, uh, ending a series of glide-only tests that they started back in December. So the company will fly in the atmosphere every three weeks and plans to return to space, or at least as close to as possible, by November or December of this year. So good on you. Go, Branson, go. Nice. I can't wait for them to get back on, back up in the air and going. Yep. Get the get those engines fired up, and hopefully somebody won't pull the wrong handle this time. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yes, uh, Volvo is going big on electric cars. I saw this very big. They want to end the solely combustion engine powered car. So, Good. Uh, yeah, they they think it'll take till like you know twenty twenty five to do it, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're they're going whole hog on on making sure that's either fully electric or electric hybrid. Yep, good on them. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a that's a great brave move to make. I think it's it's going to be I think the whole industry is going to be going there soon. No, yeah. definitely. They're they're ahead of the game on this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still not going to buy a Volvo, but congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's the, there's there's your rub. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody wants a Volvo. We've got the greatest yeah, it's a Volvo. Yeah, I I don't live in the woods. Ups and doodads. Brian, I know you're not much of a gamer. I think somebody got something this week because there's this whole series of links in the show notes that I don't even understand. Yes, there there is a huge <laughs> set of links in here because I, in an attempt to do things that get me away from the computer, bought Buy another, a, computer. another computer. <laughs> yes, it's more more <laughs> the mind space. I bought a. I finally went out and bought an Xbook Xbook Xbox One S, mm. the new one. Not the so super, this is coming. One, but. This is coming off the heels of you attempting to buy a new Mac, being denied by your credit card. But I, I'm assuming this was cheaper. Than oh, the this Mac was then? ridiculously cheaper. Yes. Okay. No, All this right. is cheaper than the RAM that was going to go into the new Mac. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I got I got the new Xbox One S with the uh, Gears of War Four edition. Uh, I got some Turtle Beach headsets, so I can be like you know one of those nerd gamers who go, "Hey, get them!" You know, top left, <laughs> and, a, and a bunch of other crap. And I got mm-hmm. it just to, you know, kind of try and decompress at the end of the day. Turns out Gears of War is stressful, though. I was about to say, how's that going? Uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's hard. I, I'm not a first-person shooter guy with the controller, so I got to figure out what kind of games that I really like with the controller. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I tell you what, on a 4K TV, it's amazing how far these things have come. I really do sound like an old man right now, but <laughs> it really is unbelievable what they can do with these boxes and the new xbox that's coming out uh, in november looks like it's going to be even more insane but it's beautiful and i got got to get rid of my blu-ray player that's been taking up space so now i can just use that i still have a blu-ray player uh that basically just sits there until christmas that uh, has love actually still just sitting in it from last (laughs) christmas so then i just press power on around christmas time and and spin up love actually you know you could just digitize that and play through your apple tv right I think it's on Netflix. It does, but I just find it funny that the that <laughs> the Blu-ray just sits there with the disc in it, waiting for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I kept mine plugged in even because I used it for uh, Amazon Video, and I kept it there just because you know I have four Blu-ray discs that I'm probably never going to watch again, uh, mm-hmm. and 
And then I use it for Amazon Video. And even though six months earlier I got a TV with Amazon Video built in, I couldn't be bothered to, you know, pack it up and put it away. So right. until the Xbox came and I had to move it because I needed the plug. But yeah. By pack it up and put it away, you mean throw it in the trash? Uh, it's in the garage waiting for somebody to have a garage sale so I can give it to them so they can make a dollar off of it. Right. It is a nice Blu-ray player. I got one of the Sony ones. It's it's an actually a really nice Blu-ray player. If you, I'm sure <laughs> I'm somebody sure in La- I'm sure yeah. somebody in Latvia would love to get a hold of it. Jason. Yeah, I'm sure there are really nice Betamax players still floating <laughs> around out there too. Uh, one thing that I got this week that is not very nice though, hmm. I got the Amazon Dash Wand with Alexa. Ooh. Why would you do that? It's free. Oh, okay. It 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 would cost me twenty bucks, but as soon as you buy it and you turn it on, you get twenty dollars in credit. So I'm like, right. oh, a free gadget to try out for the show. I'll try. I'll take that. Okay. Um. So what it is supposed to be able to do is you're supposed to be able to scan it, scan something, and then it adds it to your cart. Right. In theory. Right. <laughs> okay. In theory. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also ask it questions like Alexa. And it comes mm-hmm. with a little card that, with a bunch of different things you can ask it. It's so, also magnetic. You can stick it under your fridge. Yes. It's, where, it's actually where it's at. It, it, it gave me another uh, magnet to put you know, cartoons and stuff on the fridge that I never do. Um, I actually used it to hold up the paper tickets for the B-52s that I went to go see last week, which is handy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I, the, the fact of the card and it's a bunch of different things. Well, 50% of the things on that card don't actually work. Okay. Which is, I'm like, okay. Now, you know, they always say in software, if you, you know, if you're not embarrassed by your first release, you release too late. Well, Uh, apparently Amazon dash wand released right on time. Cause they should be really embarrassed by this thing. It doesn't do anything. So I went on a scan fest trying mm-hmm. to scan as many things as I could around my house to see what it would recognize and add to the cart after about 25, 30 things. One, one thing was on Amazon that I could scan. And that was a four pack of deodorant. Right. But it was a good price. So I ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I mean, okay, 20 bucks mm-hmm. plus you get 20 bucks off immediately. It's got the microphone in it. So it's basically a, a dumbed down Alexa device. Mm-hmm. Who cares if it scans or not? You can just walk around the house talking to it. But it doesn't work as well as Alexa does. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Or why would you need this even if you already had an Alexa yeah. at all? So. so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I talked to my Echo and it works fine, but. But it's free. So you get a free magnet for your fridge. That's true. Yes, you get a free magnet with a with a laser pointer that you can play with the cat with if you have a cat. There you um, go. Yeah, it's. I mean, talk about throwaway technology. We are there. Yeah, it literally <laughs> is worth worth throwing away. But I'll keep <laughs> I'll keep it for the big fridge fridge magnet access. And I did talk about uh, starting the Hackintosh project. Yeah, how's week. that going? Man, there are there's some really good resources out there. I found a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is I was pricing it out. It's yep. not that much cheaper. <laughs> it really, yes, you can build a super powered machine, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you're still building a pretty high end PC, which means it's going to cost a lot of money. So the cost right. benefit analysis that I ran on it was like, hmm, maybe a couple hundred bucks saved over right. getting a top of the line iMac or waiting for the Pro. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. over a Pro, you're going to save a lot, I'm sure, but the the new iMac 5Ks that they have are just as powerful as the CPUs you're going to get in this thing. You can bust up the RAM. You're probably going to save like 600 bucks, I think. But you still have to buy a monitor. And the iMac comes with a monitor, a 5K monitor. 
So in the grand scheme of thing, I'm not sure if it's worth the hassle because there's no place where you can just go buy a Hackintosh. It's like, okay, hey, look, we've put all the parts together. Pay us for labor. Here, we'll send you one, which is what I'm I would sur- do in a heartbeat. But I, there's nobody that's selling them. Nobody's marketed like a, a, a full put it together yourself kit. Here's everything. There, there are places out there where you can get shopping lists where you can buy right. them all and then put them all together. But I, ain't nobody got time for that. I got an Xbox li- now. I gotta, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed because I was looking forward to the social media meltdowns that were going to be involved with this. I was having them when I was reading it in my head. I'm like, <laughs> wait, I gotta get thermal paste and like put the <laughs> put the CPU fan on myself. What, what kind of shittery is this? I'm not 15 again. I did this shit 30 I, uh, years ago. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were first telling me about this. I was like, you got it. You're never going to do this. I tell you what, it, it, <laughs> I, what really, I mean, what got me over the edge was my friend was telling me, just get an Xbox. If you need something to distract you, don't make a computer. Just go play some video games. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. And then mm. you hounding on me, just waiting for me to explode when I started, like put the, <laughs> it put the, that kernel of doubt in the back of my head saying, <laughs> um, you know, Brian's probably right about this one. And it's just going to be an expensive pain in the ass. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get three quarters of the parts, get so pissed off at it, put them in a box right next to the, uh, all of the other crap that I bought for the show that never really went anywhere, like my Arduino kit, <laughs> all of that stuff, the closet of dead tech, very expensive <laughs> dead tech that we never used, and then just uh, <laughs> go I, have I'd a beer. Like, just go have a beer like and watch to, TV. I'd like to take this moment to apologize to our listeners. I apparently overplayed my hand with Jason too soon on this one, you so did, no yeah. fun, no fun for any of us now. No, seriously, that was uh, you. you it, you were just so giddy that I'm like, oh, no, because then I'm on the hook. If I start this project and I don't finish it, I'm going to be eating crow for like two more years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do this show two more years. If you go, how's that Hackintosh going? How's that Hackintosh every, going? Every, every episode title is going to be Jason's Hackintosh. Yeah, day, that's it. day five. Hack and fail. On Lonely Island. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. How are them dip switches, Jason? <laughs> no so yeah i think i think that project is going to go by the wayside unless i can find something that's going to have an easy pre-built one that i can just buy for cheaper than it would cost to go get a really high-end mac right and right now i don't need it i have six macs in my house uh, i would like one just because I'm, I'm reaching the end of what i can do with what i've got but um yeah <laughs> so that one's on the on the back burner uh, but, you know, it is going to snow here soon, so who knows? I do go a little snow crazy. But That's true. So we talked about Winamp and how much we miss it so much. You Remember, yes. remember old Winamp? I, I vaguely remember it now. It was a beautiful little MP3 player back in the more innocent days. Yeah, and it just worked. Mm-hmm. It really just worked. It did what it was supposed to do. Uh, Ars Technica put up a post with a couple uh, articles put together about the, you know, the 15 year history of Winamp and uh, how it fell apart and died. Now, going through this, I, I, I normally I would say, eh, it's a cute article, but halfway down here, it, mm-hmm. it jogged my memory. Um, and I think we both worked with this guy. Do you remember Rob Lord? I do. There he is. Yep. Nullsoft's <laughs> first hire. Yeah. I, I worked with a lot of douchebags in the business. Mm-hmm. Top five was Rob Lord. 
I mean, I mean, he's 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 actually vying for two number two and three. Number mm-hmm. one, I'm not going to name names on, but this guy was a dick and <laughs> almost got me fired several times for no reason. So, fuck you, Rob Lord. Um, I just had to get that out. It's been it's it's been it's been under my skin for a long time. If you can't tell, God, I I love using this show for vengeance. Well, to be, I mean, if you really want to feel better about it, Rob Rob Lord has just moved on to more and well. Okay. Let me guess, he's got a podcast. <laughs> There's two ways to look at this. First off, all he does is go from from project to project, all of which fail. Mm-hmm. On the other way of looking at it, he keeps getting funded and is obviously living a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, he actually brokered the sale of the company I worked at to another company. Right. It, it, it thus ending my job at the company. All right. Let's uh let's Sorry. let's uh, pound those sour grapes into the ground here and move on. <laughs> yes, they're pounded. <laughs> I I I just had to get the Hackintosh out of my out of my system. <laughs> I feel better now. I feel better now. Okay, I did good. find a cool uh app this week called Yoink. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're dragging and dropping stuff on your Mac and you're like, ah, uh, you, you hold it and you try and move it around and all that stuff and get it from app to app. And sometimes it can be a little frustrating if you let go it, at the wrong point. I will say UI on that uh, PC blows away mm-hmm. a Mac. It is so much easier to drag and drop on PCs. Mac, Mac gets weird. Uh, so what this app does, it gives you a little tray. So you select a bunch of stuff. And you can put mm-hmm. it in a little tray and then go to where you're going to go and then go back to the tray, grab it, and put it back to where you want it to go. It's nice. I, it, I found this on... Uh, or yeah. mm, oh, oh, oh. or Apple yeah. could actually just make it work better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, so they're charging $6.99 for this. This will be in the next version of iOS. Or not iOS. This will be in the next Mac OS. No, because, I mean, this, this is based on an old app called Drag and Drop. Okay. And so the, this functionality has been around forever and they've never adopted it. So mm. we'll see. They might take it for iOS, but yeah, I was listening to the Accidental Tech podcast and they were talking about this. So I tried it out and it's pretty cool. I got to say, it's one All of the right. only things I get from that show. Uh, but <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? All right. You got some apps. Well, right, muzzle, app. App, <laughs> muzzle app uh, crossed my, my social feed this week. It's not anything I need. Uh, I don't think it's anything anybody needs anymore at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole point of Muzzle is it's a simple Mac app to silence embarrassing notifications while screen sharing. It theoretically works with uh, any program that you can now screen share uh, within, and it automatically turns on Do Not Disturb when you launch your screen share so that you don't... Uh, now, the only reason I put this in here at all is go to the site, and start reading their examples. Aunt Arlene, please don't leave your butt plugs on the bathroom. Dot, dot, dot. Jesse, Benny is looking for you. Seems pissed. Uncle Dwayne, woohoo, make America great again. <laughs> These are just fantastic. That They put some good time into coming up with very, very funny notification messages. Mm-hmm. So, are you sure your wife won't find out? We are so overcharging this moron. I'm going to quit. Fuck this place. <laughs> what's a milf your friends keep calling me that from mom yeah good stuff There's so good you don't stuff. need you don't need the app but you do need to go look at the website um and here's here's a follow-on for that i noticed at the bottom it says uh build websites check out code kit so i went to the mm-hmm. code kit website have you checked this yep. one out that actually looks really cool i i don't really think i need it anymore but if i were to build a website from scratch these days i think i would try that out all right, but did you, here's what you missed on this one. You have to oh. scroll down to the reviews. Okay. Uh, Phil Schiller, Senior Vice President at Apple. Our Mac updates are now scheduled, scheduled around major CodeKit releases. This app is that good. 
Craig Federici, is he high? <laughs> it just keeps going. Johnny Ive, CodeKit 3 is the most deliberate evolution of our founding design. Each button's nine-step anodized process brings absolute unity and efficiency to a singular <laughs> vision. This is truly a product that only Apple could create. <laughs> and then underneath, Tim Cook, stop quoting my employees. Very funny. There's this tons of funny. them on here. This guy is, this. I like this guy a lot. Yeah, All right, I, no I, I think I'm actually, I don't need muzzle, but CodeKit looks super interesting, So, and it's only 34 bucks. I'm going to support him for his clever comments and, and fakeness and, that he did for the muzzle app and buy CodeKit and give it a go. Okay, let me know how it goes, because it does look pretty cool. Yeah, it does. So, All right, uh, something else I found that was super fun uh, this week, uh, Facebook ads. Now, you can use an ad blocker, and that gets rid of some, but not all of Facebook ads. But rather than that, why not just replace them? Okay. So this is awesome. This is called Social Ads, Vintage Edition. It's a Google Chrome extension that replaces Facebook's stable of ads with nostalgia-inducing photos of everything you love that's now retro. So it brings in all these great 80s ads instead that they've <laughs> scanned and brought in. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Casio synthesizers, all these great old arcade cabinets. This is awesome i don't use chrome anymore but i ran it for just a couple days with this on it and i was snickering left right and center if it's a chrome extension you can still run it in opera oh that's right opera has that uh that wraparound thing that lets you do the chrome one so yeah. i'm going to install that now and i'm going to turn off uh, ad blocking on facebook because this is fun if you okay. are if you are of our age you will enjoy this and they have a pretty good stable of scanned ads in there because i've only seen repeats once or twice nice very yeah. cool and then finally, I was actually going to put this in more on of the week, but it just cracked me up too much. Rick's daily tips. Did you go to look at this website, Jason? I have not yet. No. So tell me oh, all about just, Rick and his daily tip. Please do just quickly just tip. Click, click on that and, and okay. take a look at the awesome design. Ooh. Hello, yes. blogger. Yes. Nicely so, done here. This is a great... I, I just like this. We've known at least for Facebook pages and for businesses for a long time, you need to go ahead and like your own stupid posts because it actually gives you a little bump up in the algorithm and theoretically makes it appear more places, which we all know probably doesn't do it anymore, especially now that there are people out there posting this as the secret. Uh, that means obviously that Facebook no longer it does that. But I just like this because he goes into it as if you've been using Facebook for a while, you've probably noticed that many people like their own posts just as soon as they post them. While this could be viewed as a form of vanity, I mean, really, is it cool to like your own posts? In most cases, it isn't vanity at work at all. He then goes to explain that if you like your own post, that means that'll force more people to see it, which is the very fucking definition of vanity. <laughs> but but it can be all. marketing as well. But uh, yeah. this is he's talking about for his own personal pages, yeah. like not even marketing, like I had a turkey sandwich today. Like, I want to make sure that more people get the opportunity to see my post. Yeah. Uh, good old Rick here. It's a great picture, too. He looks like, what's his name from? Uh, it looks like Stapler Guy. Yeah, the, yeah, from uh, Office Space. <laughs> Office Space. Yeah. We're, Sorry, we're we should make fun of him. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Yes, he's an A-plus certified computer tech and blogger with more than three decades of experience in the tech world. He should be doing a podcast. You could call it Grumpy. What? Wait, that one's taken. Yeah, taken. Sorry. Media Candy. Radiohead's OK Computer is probably it's top top five albums of all time for me, for sure. Um, I should listen to it someday then. It's great. And it kind of marked it's for me, it's the high watermark of Radiohead. And I know I'm committing heresy, especially with our particular 
demographic of listeners who will now inform me that Radiohead can do no wrong and send endless links of songs that I don't like that came after OK Computer <laughs> and tell me how wonderful that they are. They aren't. Uh, OK Computer was definitely, I mean, this is one of the best albums of all time. Uh, Tom York has always insisted that OK Computer was inspired by the dislocation and paranoia of nonstop travel coming off a you know endless touring of the bands. Uh, everybody else in the world has kind of told him, no, it's about unchecked consumerism and over-reliance on technology and how it can lead to automation and eventually alienation from ourselves and from another, which is what I think it's about. And uh, New- the New Yorker, of all places, goes into a very long article about how everything that they talked about in OK Computer and we were worried about in the dystopia that they were telling us was coming. Well, it's all here now. Yay! <laughs> so, yay. Uh, it is 20 years old. I think it was the 20th anniversary, so they've just released a you know super box set with uh, outtakes, things like that. We've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. I just thought this was a great article from The New Yorker that really... I mean, it's not every day that you get The New Yorker writing about an album. Okay. And uh, going super in-depth on it. So, fascinating read if you're a Radiohead fan. And if you haven't listened to OK Computer yet, Jason, I put the Xbox away for an evening <laughs> and uh, toss on OK Computer and give it a go. It is a phenomenal album. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give that a shot. So, Daniel Day Kim from Lost, mm-hmm. uh, Grace Park, Boomer, and uh, Cylon number 8 from Battlestar Galactica. Quickly got new jobs when those shows ended. Uh, they both ended up becoming stars on Hawaii Five O. I can't believe that that show has been running for like seven years now or something. Ridiculous. I know. I can't believe uh, it either. I always meant to go watch it. I never did. Uh, uh, don't Park. do don't don't. I watched half an episode and was just like my brain fell out. I'm like, this is dumb. Grace Park in a bikini. I don't think you understand how much I love Boomer. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's few and far between, though. It's a lot of mm. bros and guns. Okay. Well. Uh, they're not on the show anymore anyways. They okay. are leaving because uh, they were not getting as much money as their white co-stars, according to Variety. Uh, they were seeking salaries equal to those of stars uh, Alex O'Loughlin and Scott Kahn, who, neither of whom I've even heard of. Scott Kahn um, was in uh, Entourage for like two seasons. He was pretty funny never, in that. Never watched that show. I know. So uh, CBS's final offer to the two actors was reportedly 10 to 15% lower than the salaries of their co-stars. That seems a little fucked up. Yep. So there you go. I'm glad you're leaving. You guys are both great. I mean, fantastic actors. So get the fuck out of there and fuck CBS. Yeah. Go start up a new Battlestar Galactica thing. No. Bring back Boomer. Oh, well, I'm kind of behind <laughs> that. That's fine. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you have dipped your toe into Yahoo. Yahoo. Well, Yahoo is probably the only company not doing this at the moment. YouTube TV. One of the five companies in search of the mythical $35 price point for basically uh, getting over the intertubes TV. Yes. Right? Yes, I did. And, and I, thought I it, lasted, it lasted for uh, a month and a half. And a well, long enough an- to get a Chrome. That's it. Yes. Another uh, another company is now in. This time it's Hulu. They are offering for uh, approximately 50 channels, including live TV and four major broadcast networks for $40 a month. As mentioned, this is the fifth major company to enter this market over the last few years. Sling, Sony, DirecTV, YouTube, and now Hulu. None of them are any fucking good. (laughs) None of them are able to get all the channels that anybody would want. Uh, Local channels still continue to be the biggest problem. Um, That's what YouTube TV was good for. YouTube TV was good for local, but I didn't get a a bunch of other channels that I needed. So I still had to, you know, hop on over to Sweden. But here's the thing. It's almost as if they forget that the reason that we are all upset about cable or satellite TV in the first place is bundling. And what all five of these companies are doing is creating bundles 
It's the only way they can get the channels, though. That's the problem. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Then don't even fucking bother doing this. Don't bother because it's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You're charging a little bit less and giving us less. So fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, honestly, it's like I I just stopped watching that much TV. It, it, that's <laughs> after One I got can rid of always YouTube, do that. Yeah. Once I got rid of YouTube TV, I found that, I, oh, you know what? I don't I really don't need it. to. I don't really need to watch Big Brother. No, <laughs> well, nobody actually needs to watch Big Brother. No, no nobody needs to watch. But the, you know, yeah. the one channel that I always want is Comedy Central, and none of nobody has it. Once Hulu dropped Comedy Central, then I dropped Hulu. Right. You know, and you can always just go and get the app themselves. I mean, you could watch that. Uh, I don't think Comedy Central charges for their app, and you can watch old shows. Although I do think that they do the. You have check to. You to have to have a cable provider. Yeah. Cable provider is yeah. Yeah, and all, all my friends have tapped out on all of their accounts for their cable companies, so I can't I can't get a free yeah. login. Damn it. Well, and things are getting even more fractured in the media landscape. Facebook has now added to their original TV lineup, which thus far has not really made any waves, but uh, they got Mike Rowe on board. So I like returning Mike the favor featuring Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe. He'll highlight people across the country who do exceptional work in their communities. Uh, the second show is named yet, but it is a reality series starring LeVar Ball and his family, which is a bunch of basketball player type people with massive egos from oh. what I've heard. So that should be not interesting. Now, if it was LeVar Burton, um, I'd be into it, but not LeVar I know. Ball. That's kind of what I first copied and pasted the story. I was like, LeVar Burton and Mike Rowe. That's great. Nope. And then I was a little <laughs> more disappointed. So I'm assuming that this is all just free. Uh, lost leaders for Facebook. Yeah, Facebook so, just can. Yeah. They should just buy all the TV companies anyway and just give it away for free. So you'll they spend should more just time buy on it Facebook. All. Yes. Uh, Spotify is also rolling out their own original content. They've actually been doing it since 2016, but uh, they're getting into it more, more traditionally now. So there's a documentary about the young days of legendary rock band Metallica, a video series on Green Day, because of course Green Day has to take over everything at the moment. <laughs> K-Rock. Uh, now the streaming service is getting ready to launch something called I'm With The Band, an in-house initiative that will feature music, videos, and a documentary inspired by issues like immigration and LGB... Uh, LBGTQ. Sorry, I was just getting used to the four-letter version, and then he rolled out another letter. Equality. The original series brings together artists such as uh, Designer, Pusha, T, the aforementioned K-Flay, who I love, and ex-ambassadors on six new pieces of music, all created with help from singers, songwriters, and producers who are affected by Trump's controversial travel ban. So content coming from Spotify and not afraid to look like snowflakes. Where do you get to what? Do you have to use like the Spotify app to watch the videos? I've never seen... I because I don't use Spotify the app for yes. anything, so you have you, to use the well, app to get it. I see. Yes, you do. So if you're if you're in app, you can watch videos and all that sort of stuff, and all this stuff is in there. And it's pretty. I watched the K Flay bit. It was good. So. Okay. Well, if, if it and, doesn't uh, cost you any more from your standard Spotify, then it's fine. It does not. It does not. Although one would assume if they start to roll out a significant amount of content, there will be some sort of premium, 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 access. premium, super yes. duper premium, super premium. Yes. yes. And uh, Vulture has a nice long form article called The Streaming Problem, How Spammers, Superstars and Tech Giants Game the Music Industry. We have talked about a number of these things when Spotify first came out, uh, people putting out completely silent albums uh or you know two one second, second songs. three second yeah. songs and, and having their fans just play them repeatedly yep this is a whole list of how spotify gets gamed yeah uh including anytime that there's a hit song people immediately releasing cover versions um the happy birthday insert name here oh thing yeah that seems to be working very very well that's a good idea 
It's a fantastic idea. And as you as as we go more and more to people using uh, basically voice searches rather than using a keyboard or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, we all know how well they actually work. There's always a little bit of 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 error going on. And plus, you know, it's just going to grab something that's close. So that's what, you know, Lamar Kendrick Lamar had a song called Humble, which is like very huge right now. And there are already like 35 different cover what they call cover bots and rip off artists. Wow. Who are uh, one one song alone has been streamed more than thirty thousand or three hundred thousand times, which is eh, you know you're going to make a couple bucks there. Yeah. So, so a lot of people are out there gaming the system. It's quite funny. This is a great read. So go take a look at it if you want to chuckle. Oh man, that's just it's kind of sad because those you know the, yeah the spammers do like swing the numbers so regular yep. plays from regular artists get shafted even more. Well, that and the the weird thing about it is, if you do, especially if you if you've hooked up Spotify with Alexa and you just ask them to play an artist, what they'll do is they'll play the top songs, right? Yeah. So that can get game two, where instead of hearing like the songs that you want to hear, you're starting to hear these weird cover versions that pop up that are just tagged. Oh, it's just oh, strange. there's there, there are switches that you can turn on. I had to do this this week. There are switches in the Spotify uh, control panel or the settings panel that you can turn off, like play artists like and follow on like when the ah. albums are done. So, okay. yeah, I turned all that crap off because I like I was playing uh, Rise Against and then it went into some Blink-182 shit. And I'm like, get this off <laughs> of my damn machine. I don't ever want to hear Blink. Blink-182 is not welcome in my home. <laughs> so, yep. the, OK, well, I'll check that, that out. out. And, yeah. and Spotify, what you also need to add is a never play option. I want a ban. I want to be able to click on Red Hot Chili Peppers and never have anything that ever has any of those artists ever, ever Oh, God, that played. was so nice. It should. I mean, why wouldn't you have that? It makes sense. I do not want Peter Cetera ever to be played in my house. I will take Peter Cetera way before the Chili Peppers. It's a toss-up. Security? Ha! We're joined again this week by Dave DDoS Bittner from the Cyberwire. He's here to lull you into a false sense of security with his very own dulcet tones. Hello, gentlemen. It's nice to be back. Well, everything back. going well since I was gone last week? You kind of came off a little bit hallish there. <laughs> open, open the pod bay door, you know, Jason. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, actually, I was, I was kind of going for Roman Mars from 99% Invisible. But you know, all right. Anyway, good to be back, gentlemen. <laughs> good to hear you. From me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a busy week, as it always is. It seems like, um, like so many things, the rate of change is accelerating when it comes to cybersecurity and threats and so forth. Last week, we spoke about the uh, malware known as many names. Uh, some people are calling it Petya. Some people are calling it not Petya. Some people are calling it Nyetya, which is my favorite, although it doesn't seem like that one's going to stick. Well, we're going we're <laughs> to try and change that because Nyetya is my favorite as well. Me yeah, too. it is. We've it, it, GoldenEye is another one that's been going by. Hated that movie. Yeah. It seems yeah. like not Petya <laughs> is the one that has stuck the most. And I, I'm okay with that one. It, it, what what troubles me is that there are many people still referring to it as Petya, which is actually the correct name of a previous bit of ransomware. So I think for the sake of not having confusion. And the fact that this is not, it literally is not Petya. It is, exactly. <laughs> so we can't, I don't know how we could be more clear than to call it not Petya, but uh, that certainly differentiates the two, you, you'd think. So um, the, the fallout continues from not Petya. Um, there's a really great uh, article that we linked to here from uh, the Talos team 
um, that really lays it all out. It's uh, from beginning to end of how this uh, how this works, uh, how it took hold. Um, this week has really been about the fallout and the financial fallout. Um, some of the companies like um, Maersk, the uh, big shipping company, you know, they've got hit pretty hard by it. They've had people cancel orders because ports have been shut down while they've been trying to deal with this. That's so, insane. When yep. it gets to the point where companies are advising their investors that there may be real effects on earnings, um, that certainly takes it to another level of attention. From, what, what do you always say, Dave? Now we're soon we'll be talking about real money? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, they were hit pretty big. Um uh, there was a division of FedEx. They have a division called TNT, I believe. Dynamite. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. They were hit hard as well. So substantial fallout. Um, as we said last week, this initially was perceived to be ransomware. Turns out it's not. It's just a wiper. It's it's destructive. Uh, once again, targeting Ukraine, and of course, everybody's looking at who are we looking at, gentlemen? Russia. The Russians. Absolutely. But you know, Trump just got out of his meeting with Putin and Putin says they didn't do nothing. So uh, that is, so it can't be Russia. So we got well, to, that we settles have to move it. on. Yeah. <laughs> that's settled. It was that's, that's settled. probably yeah. just okay. some Russian patriots like some of the other ones and the government had nothing to do with it. Yeah, we don't know. Um, we don't know. We don't know. How could you know? <laughs> Wasn't there a big raid this week, though, with the, the company that had that owns the MeDoc software that was actually used as the launching point for not pet yes yes uh yes it is uh it's uh, i believe it's referred to as me doc is the correct way to say it um not that i'm being pedantic or anything but you're but, being pedantic, um, so yes on. but i am but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh so yeah the company who did me doc got raided this week by ukrainian authorities um now they were very cooperative with uh, cisco the cisco report that we've laid Wait, out they here. were they were raided by the cisco police no, 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 no. They were raided. No, Cisco volunteered to help them, uh, and they were open to that. They said, "Yes, please come on over," and basically, you know, opened up the kimono and said, "Please have a look at everything you want to look at. We want to get to the bottom of this." And mm -hmm. and according to this report by Cisco, they did just that and dug in and and helped them out. So um, they they weren't really trying to hide anything by all accounts, uh, but at the same time, the Ukrainian authorities went in and are looking at ME Doc as ground zero for this. And so um, I don't know if it's too... Well, they've said that they could be held responsible and liable um, for not, not having a high enough standard of security to allow this to go out to as many people as it did. Um, according to the reports, they were backdoored three times before this one out wow so I mean, do you think yep. if that is set as a precedent that's that's going to really change things the it idea could, that, like, that like, you are you are if you didn't you don't take care of your own house and somebody gets in and affects your computers and those go out and get everybody else out you are responsible uh yes but i i mean let's look back at something like the target breach certainly there was a huge financial impact on them and that made everybody uh, take a closer look at all this stuff. It made a lot of people buy a lot of insurance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are different ways to approach the the, pos the liability uh, reality. You can you can you can improve your protection. You can buy more insurance. You probably end up doing both. So, right. yes, uh, but I, I do agree. I think 
the more of these that we have where people are held liable and, and you know, if people actually end up doing jail time, yeah, you can bet everybody who's <laughs> on a board of directors who's going to be possibly uh, exposed to this sort of thing, they're going to be taking a real good look at uh, how they're protecting themselves. And the interesting so, thing, like, you know, Brian, you brought up the Target hack, which is a, a very interesting topic when you want to get into it, because if you look at the ME doc issue, that was probably computer on computer issues, right? But the, the Target hack was perpetrated by, you know, guys that were dressing up as HVAC contractors that broke in. So yeah. they're, you know, they're totally different attack vectors on those, even though the result was similar. You know, they got into the systems for the target, but you're right. looking at two separate types of, you know, attacks. And where do, where do we draw the line where, where liability comes in? Yeah. I don't think you do anymore. I, I don't, I mean, I know, you know, you're talking human vector versus computer on computer crime, but at this point, is there a difference, at least as far as, as uh, repercussions or the law would be concerned? And I'm not sure that there is. We have to start getting licenses for computers and treating them like handguns, putting them in the vault at night. <laughs> Didn't not, they do I'm that? I'm Didn't actually they not do joking. that in your beloved movie, Hackers? I'm, 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 I'm actually not joking. It's like you got to lock up the computers. The, the cleaning staff should not have willy-nilly access. Take away that you have to check in your keyboard at the end of the day. Yeah, wouldn't necessarily be virtually, a bad idea. Yeah, virtually or otherwise, you know. I, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, there are plenty of organizations who make a point of telling people, you know, shut the damn things off at night, um, just to reduce your attack surface. Don't leave your passwords on a post-it note next to your on well, your monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these yeah, are all absolutely. just like caveman approaches to the problem. You know, when yes. you when you really look at it, it's. There, there are much more elegant solutions, but this is a thought experiment for another day. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, story about uh, hacker last week. Again, we talked about the nuclear facilities being targeted. And, and yeah, uh, the interesting thing that you and I talked about, Dave, last week is, you know, uh, somebody got into an administrative system, but we were right. we were both on the same page. We're like, they could just be probing the network. And right. there's a new joint right. statement out uh, from the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security saying that, yeah, there is no indication of a threat to public safety and any potential impact appears to be limited to administrative and business networks. But also in the article, they say that they are trying to map those networks. Right. So, yeah, we were ahead of the time. Hey, breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> Lateral movement. It's such a weird thing to to say that, the, you know, there is no threat to public safety. That is in the statement itself. But the statement carried an urgent amber warning, the second highest rating for the sensitivity of the threat. Mm -hmm. So which is it, guys? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tomato. fall back here and say, you know, I always, when faced with these sorts of um, uh, critical infrastructure situations, I always look to Robert M. Lee, who we've talked about before from Dragos, who Jason, mm -hmm. I think you said has the coolest company name there is when it comes to these sorts of things. And, and even, um, he even tweeted a thank you for that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. He's, um, he is my voice of reason because he is usually calm and measured and sort of, he doesn't hesitate to, to cut through the crap and tell you the way things really are. And uh, right before we went on the air today, I was checking out his Twitter feed and he was basically saying, look, you know, this is, no, don't panic. This is no, there's no need to panic. Um, if there's any group of people who understand, um, you know, keeping their systems under controls, it's the folks in the nuclear power <laughs> business. Um, Such a great you know, track record. 
Well, they, they have a great. They yeah. do actually have a great track record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, so in this country. <clears throat> yeah, so I think we were right last week in that our suspicions sort of from last week got confirmed this week. Uh, it's There's no reason to panic yet, but really the, the types of things that we were talking about are pretty much the types of things that they're talking about this week. So <laughs> is it surprising that, that bad guys are trying to map out these systems? No, no not, at all. not at all. No, not <laughs> at all. Well, so, you know, here's the thing. Um, if this podcast thing doesn't work out for us, you know where we have a job. <laughs> Uh, psychics, a nuclear facility analyst. That's us. Oh, we could, go, or or that, or that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have the credentials. We talked about it on an episode before that. You know, the FBI and Homeland Security came out with the report. So, we that's we right. broke the story. So we that's our that's our new gig, man. All, All right. right, I'm start start uh, polishing up our resumes just in case. <laughs> a couple of people that don't have to polish their resumes are a couple <laughs> Russians who got busted for uh, running a hacking service, basically, you know, hacking as a service or evil as a service, as, uh, was it, two episodes ago we, we yes. named our, yeah. our show? Yeah. Uh, well, let's be, let's be clear here. They are actually Latvians. No, uh, uh, no, 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 no. They were no. Act, they're no. actually one Russians of, living, one of them is at least a Russian. One of them is, is Russian. Living yes. in Latvia. One of them is Latvian. Yes. 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 So. Mm-hmm. yes. All right. Mr. Pedantic is back again. Ah, but they also got a co-conspirator in Virginia. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So uh, I think the the take home. So just to sort of give an overview of the story here. These are two men, uh, like you said, in Latvia who for a long time, it says this, their network has been operational since 2006. So we, we hack you been a long this time. A while. Yeah, they've been running basically these sort of, um, you know, bad guys as a service sorts of things. Um, all things, you know, virus, um, Trojans and uh, remote access Trojans, key loggers, all the, all the usual suspects. And they've been running these as a service, providing customer service and all these things that we talk about. Um, these are some of the folks who've been doing it. And according to this report, they've been doing it for quite a while. They have thousands of customers. And good for the FBI. They tracked them down and uh, and they've been arrested. Uh, one of the things that I noted in the this article from the Washington Post was that... Uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney uh, Kellen Dwyer noted that when Bondars, that's one of the guys, and by the way, Bondar, that's a great bad guy name. Yeah. Um, when Bondar was arrested, he was carrying $30,000 in U.S. cash, as you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he had bank accounts in various countries. So okay. I, I suppose if you're not using Bitcoin, uh, this sort of thing, I guess could be a cash business. Yeah. yeah I mean, $30,000 U.S. in Latvia, that's like, what, a Snickers bar? He was just going to go. He was going to Starbucks. That's all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dollars don't go as far as they used to. Yeah, so, everybody um, in Latvia is a millionaire from all the cyber crimes. So, you know, yeah. inflation. Yeah, well. But it, um, it covers a topic that we talked about last week where, you know, it's like, is being software as a service in the evil area as bad as, as actually perpetrating the crimes? Well, turns out you can still go to jail and get arrested for it. So it does happen. Right. And, you know, yay for the FBI. This is, I think, so many of these things we think about day to day and we don't really think about people being brought to justice because I think usually the way it goes is that people get away with these things for a long time. And I think there are a lot of people who just get away with these things, particularly if they keep it at the low level kind of, uh, I don't know, side business kind of thing, um, hacks and skids. But um, these guys, I suspect they've been on the FBI's target list for 
a long time, and uh, it's nice to see them being brought to justice. And hopefully that helps put the word out to the other folks out there that they might want to think twice before doing this kind of thing and that the law has a long arm. Yeah, I mean, 11-year investigation probably into these guys finally bore some fruit. I mean, they didn't do they didn't do the whole Ross Ulbricht, I'm a megalomaniac, I can, you know, have people killed type of thing. They're just like, ah, you want some you want some malware? Here you go. Give me rubles. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of uh, exchanging money, <laughs> uh, according to Bleeping Computer, the fourth largest cryptocurrency exchange was hacked and users lost some of that money. They lost some Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, we don't know how much yet. They haven't confirmed the exact amount, but it seems like it's a lot because there are a lot of users on this this exchange, which surprised me was, uh, so 31,800 BitThumb users uh, were had their, basically their stuff stolen, which is 3% mm-hmm. of the platform's user base. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of people. But I guess if you're the fourth largest exchange... You know, that would it says there's a lot of people into Bitcoin and Ethereum nowadays. Yeah, I, I that's more than I would have thought. I can't really say that I have any reason to have a good beat on this. I don't personally dabble in these sorts of things yet, but uh, I suppose it's only a matter of time. Uh, as they become more popular, they'll just probably become easier to use them. Well, so. the well, thing, the, I mean, the uh, thing is, look at look back at Mount, uh, was it Mount Gox? And all of the other exchanges. That's the one thing about cryptocurrency exchanges is the only time you hear them in the news is when they get hacked. And that's like every other week. It's (laughs) like, okay, it's really easy to set up a cryptocurrency exchange. It's really hard to secure one. Yeah. Yeah. But I I wonder if we're going to see a sliding scale of of, 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 as we're in as as these exchanges lose their newness and the bugs get worked out and and everyone goes oh that but oh and the professionals step way. in we need the professionals to step in because you know that these things are run by a bunch of amateurs mm. sorry I don't know about that. so look at mount gox those guys were writing ph they, they okay a they wrote their exchange in php <laughs> number one and these guys are they're literally figuring it out on the fly well, I mean, well, that, uh, to, to be honest, that's part of the appeal for people that are trying that are investing in in these in these cryptocurrencies right now because it is volatile, which means there's a chance to make big money, and it's a gamble. Yeah. So the, the right. thing the thing about these things is, as they get codified, as they become more and more professional, competent, standardized, the the chance of making big money goes away as well, and it kind of loses some of its appeal. We need an FDIC for cryptocurrency. Is what we need. Well, then, then yeah. nobody's going to bother with it anymore. Well, I mean, it's insurance. <laughs> Somebody can come in and insure it. It doesn't have to be the actual federal government. Some, some, or, you know, or, the, or the company itself, apparently, because uh, the thing that you guys left out about the story so far is that the the exchange is basically going to reimburse all the users. So that they're right now they're they're insuring it themselves, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. How, how you know where are they going to get the money to do that? It, it struck me that you know something I've thought about in terms of just re- plain old money. You know, the money that you we all have that's in our banks. Um, it's sort of you don't think about your money as being your money. In other words, oh, I do. You're, well, I have but, so little of it. I, I definitely think of it as my money. His chases well, on a first name basis with yeah. every dollar. Right. It's all. It's all under Alexander uh, it's under, Hamilton. Hey Phil, I'm going to change you in under, for a taco. Yep. Yeah. It's all stuffed under Bam Bam's mattress. That's right. But um, if your bank gets robbed, 
right? The, 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 you mm. know, the bank at the top of the street where you keep your money. Your first thought is not, oh, I hope they didn't get my money. Yes, because yeah, it's, true. it's not your money. It's, you know, the, the whole, it's it's just money, and it's it's just a ledger. You know, it's it's mm, it's a bizarre, I mean? so, it's a bizarre social contract that exactly it, that nobody can really wrap their head around. Because well, you very, know, when the financial crash happened, we're all like, what what happens if we wake up in the morning and money doesn't work? You know, the separation between a, a physical object and uh, as money as just deteriorated massively within the last 20 years. There's, there's yes. no doubt about it. We mm -hmm. don't consider it. We don't think about it. It is, you know, bits and dots and it's credit card statements. It's we don't we make no connection anymore. Unless you're a libertarian and you got a box of gold under your bed. Well, that's true. <laughs> I've seen them commercials on CNN. That's right. that's right. Well, moving on. Have you guys ever heard of a zip bomb? Not until today. Nope. You know, I hadn't either. So, yeah, the thing about a zip file which I, 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 you know, I knew that compression was really efficient, right? Yeah. But I didn't know how efficient it could be because you can have a 42K zip file that will expand into a 4.5 petabyte file <laughs> if you're just <laughs> encrypting zeros. Yeah. Nice. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And I, I found this on Bleeping Computer because they're, they're one of my new favorite sites for just weird hacking news. And people are taking these 42K files and they're hosting them on ports on their web server that hackers will usually port scan to try and find vulnerabilities in their web server. So if mm -hmm. I'm just like doing a port scan and trying to find this stuff and I'm like, okay, I noticed that this user agent comes from a, a port scanning tool. I'm going to serve them up this zip file that they will then, when they get it, they will decompress because uh, you can do gzip and things like that on, you know, over, over HTTP. That's one of the standard compression algorithms that you use. You gzip stuff and pass it around. And so when they get it, boom, their computer is trying to extract a 4.5 petabyte file <laughs> onto their server, which will basically will crash it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think this is just so damn clever. It made my day. I'm like, that's really cool. You know, I used to, <laughs> I used to serve pictures of gay porn up when people would try and steal my images, but this is way more clever. It is. <laughs> I was really waiting to see how that sentence was going to end. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Look, man, we used to do, when 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 Brian and I started uh, with our web servers back in the early '90s. You had to pay for bandwidth for your web server, and when people would hot link right. your images and they would get popular, you had to pay for that. So yep. our revenge, or at least my revenge, was uh, yeah. H let's not say our okay, but I'm, I know you did <laughs> it too. Bring, yeah, don't separate, don't front. Let's not bring Brian into this. Don't into front. Your nightmare. I know you did it too. So <laughs> I, I did not use male pornographic images, but I did replace the images. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, sometimes you replace them. Depends on the client. Sometimes it'd be like, please do not link to this image. You know, you could do something clever if it, if, it, if it was you know like for a, a a company that you were doing. But for me personally, yes. And Goatsy was popular for a while and <laughs> things like that uh, but yeah you could you could replace whatever they were stealing if the refer didn't match coming from your website and uh this i think is just a an evolution of that which makes me very happy it's <laughs> quite clever um i ran across a story which kind of shocked me this is one of those things that you never think about because i guess well, you're not I'm not in the military. I know we have a couple military listeners who have sent in some interesting questions that we've been unable to answer because we don't really know policies going on in the military with tech. But this one was more than a little surprising. Uh, 
the U.S. military is finally going to start encrypting soldiers' emails. Believe it or not, they are not encrypted at the moment. So <laughs> to some degree, they'd have been better off using Gmail. Uh, but okay. Uh, they don't even use Start TLS, which is a 15-year-old encryption technology. Uh, the reason that they say that they can't use that is they cannot scan through for malware, phishing attempts, and other exploits. Uh, that's what the DISA is saying. So, But uh, never worry. They are coming up with a system to finally encrypt our soldiers' emails, uh, and it will be ready in uh, next July. Hmm. So. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, can't nothing rush these of, of importance will happen in the next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of understand where they're coming you know, from, though. They're trying to they're trying to prevent the military and computers that these soldiers are actually checking their email on from getting phishing attempts or malware yeah. sent to them, so they can scan everything in the email links and things like that and mm-hmm. flag those. So being able to do that. I agree. Uh, I, yeah. I, it makes sense, the reasoning why, but I, it's, it's just one of those things that it's like a mental bomb that goes off in your mind going, well, this is not in place already? Yeah, and I think the way that they're <laughs> going to have to do this is basically do their own man-in-the-middle attack, as it were. So they're right. like mid-flight, they'll, they'll decrypt it, scan it, then re-encrypt it and send it on. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, the it, only way that they can do it. And that will take some time to do, to build that system for the entire military. Mm-hmm. Right. It reminds me of that joke from from Airplane, which I'm, I can just paraphrase, where the, the pilot says, you know, we're, we're coming in low from the north. Uh, we'll be protected by fog so they can't see us and uh, we'll be dropping all of our 500 pound bombs. And she says, when will you be back? He says, I can't tell you that. It's classified. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you were going to go with, have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's, 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 that, that's, that's just your story. That's just Yeah. See, it's always. I just, I just had to wrap it into that. Look, I'm just always you know, a, grown a, men naked with you. It's a callback. It's, I'm just saying it's yeah. a callback. I got it. We got it. Yeah. We're we're with you, man. We're with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so, um, in the civil liberties uh, department, uh, from the civil liberties desk here at Grumpy Old Geeks, <laughs> uh, Facebook is fighting a gag that prohibits it from alerting users to search warrants. This is from Sophos. Must um, not make joke. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I've been chastised enough. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think this is interesting. You know, um, quite often when the government asks uh, a company, a, a a provider, to mm-hmm. provide information on users, they do so, and and with that request comes a gag order where the company cannot tell the person that they're providing the information about that that information is being provided. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are people who there, there there are legitimate good reasons for that sometimes, but on the other hand, sometimes the companies push back, and in this case, Facebook is pushing back and saying that uh, it joined with the EFF, uh, saying that no, um, you you can't just do this. You know, you you have to have a good reason, <laughs> and and uh, we think it violates the First Amendment rights of our subscribers for us to turn over their information without them knowing about it. And uh, I, we don't have time to go into a lot of the details, but it's an interesting article worth reading. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's good for there to be attention here. I think it's good for these companies to to push back and have this play out. Let the courts decide uh, where this needs to land. What well, this I, reminds me of is uh, go ahead. I, th- I just think it's a great story because it's such a unicorn. It's Facebook doing something right. <laughs> oh, come on, Mark. Don't hide it. Provide it. <laughs> right. 
Right. The other thing it reminded me of is something we talk about a lot here uh, at the Cyberwire is when it comes to military things and, and state secrets, there's this tendency to overclassify because why not? Right. So yeah. mm-hmm. you have all these things that people just stamp a classified stamp on because that way, you know, we don't have to share it. It's classified. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of oversight to to that. Um and so a lot of people say that there are too many things being classified. This reminded me of that. Yeah, right. Oh, go go Facebook. Never <laughs> exactly. something that we ever say on this show. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, them, given, it's quite rare. Yeah. Give them credit, credit where they credit's due. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Now, we started off this segment by unintentionally going off onto a thought piece tangent, and I actually had one ready for the end of the segment anyway, so we'll start with <laughs> a thought piece and end with one. Uh, this right. is a very good long-form article by John Penny, who is a research fellow at the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto and teaches law uh, as well. He's a research affiliate for Princeton Center for Information Technology Policy as of fall 2017, and he has done a very long study and a very long article about what exactly he sees happening when speech is chilled by surveillance. So this is the thought that uh, a little backstory earlier this month, the director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, backtracked on a promise to disclose how many of Americans' communications are being swept up in warrantless mass surveillance of foreign targets. And he has admitted that even Herculean efforts by the NSA would be unable to determine the number of people. And Reuters has reported that could be in the millions. This is not only an American concern. Uh, what this guy, John Penny, is doing is he's been studying this stuff and finding, you know, different occasions of surveillance spyware being used by different governments, including Mexican governments, to monitor journalism, human rights activists, uh, lawyers, etc., not just cyberbullying and harassment. And as he goes through all of this, what he's discovering is basically that people, when they feel they are being monitored uh, or there is surveillance going on, whether it actually is or not, uh, just the, the thought of there actually being surveillance going on tend to change their behaviors online. Um, And how exactly is this affecting us and how we behave online is a really interesting topic that he gets really deeply into. And he also points out that uh, through his research, he's discovered that this stuff actually uh, affects different people more so than others, particularly women and young people who will basically curtail activities that they would have engaged in online because they just feel like they're being watched. It's quite interesting. It is. It is. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I, I, it's, it, it is fascinating. On the one hand, I had the reaction of thinking, well, duh. I mean, if you know you're being watched, then your ch- chances are you're going to, um, I, I, my first thing, thought is to say be better behaved, although that might not be a, the best way to describe it because is good behavior always the best behavior for a for a situation, I, right, right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure it is, but um, certainly, you know, if you know, <laughs> I don't know, if you're a teenager and you know your mom's standing in the hallway outside your room, are you less likely to, um, I don't know, be, <laughs> Take- be fooling around with your girlfriend or boyfriend on the other side of the door? Even you know, probably not. So um, you've never been to but- my house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, but on the other hand, it's how fascinating that women and young people are affected more so. I, I guess also, on the one hand, surprising. On the other hand, maybe not, because if those are groups who are might be more accustomed to being told 
you know, hey, pipe down or, or something like that. Maybe, like maybe disempowered, con- conditioned. Yeah, yeah. This, that's the perfect way to say it, Brian. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're conditioned to be more I mean, circumspect it does make me, when they think someone's watching them. It does make me wonder, is this the last nail in one of the last uh, in the coffin of what the Internet was supposed to be, which was the great leveler? Um, you know, where the disenfranchised and disempowered were given the same degree. And what we're finding is not really. It's it's still the people that feel the power in, in the real world that are maintaining it even now into our virtual worlds. Yeah. And, and what an amplifying effect it has. The, you yes. know, the <laughs> ability for people to be shouted down, piled up upon and, and, uh, and harassed is, is greater, maybe perhaps greater than their ability to get their voice out there. Yeah, it, it, you're, you're right. It's an interesting article and uh, certainly worth the read. Uh, one of those articles that you you end up spending some time thinking about for a while after you've read it. And one of those articles where there's there's a lot of stuff that he links out to. And, you know, I never go and read all the, the various links in an article. But this one, I've been working my way through it and reading all the sub articles that he's pulling from. It, it's just fascinating to see what he sees and and how things again you know we're three middle-aged white men sitting here right. having a discussion about <laughs> right, exactly. uh, things things that aren't really affecting us too much obviously yep. we're on this podcast and we're spewing shit all the time we are not changing what we're saying but it's really interesting to see what other people and other people's experiences in this venue in which we are every day we're spending time in so I would just like to say yeah. there are only two white guys talking about this. You guys have uh, have been taking this one over, but I would l- just like to point out that Jeremy Bentham is the late 18th century thinker and philosopher who came up with the idea of the panopticon. And we've talked about this on the show previously, and there is a lot of writing about this, which is you know the same chilling effect that you're talking about in this article. So definitely, if you want to go deeper into this stuff, we're going to have the Wikipedia article linked in the show, and there are a lot of outbound links as well as the um, the article that Brian linked to about this topic, and it it it's yeah, it's kind of and scary. It's, and it's quite funny that you picked Wikipedia because in the article itself that I was talking about, he was talking about the Edward Snowden effect, where after that came out, people were terrified to use Wikipedia because they knew it was being monitored. Hmm. There you go. And one of my colleagues that I work with is very careful about anything he puts in our Slack channel because he believes that it's ine- it is inevitable that someday it's going to be hacked and made public. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, I, well, he, I, you know, he might not be wrong. He might not be wrong. I mean, we have to realize that everything that we've done digitally at some point could come back out to, to be out there. Well, it just is. Yeah. But now we're getting into total tinfoil hat territory. Well, no, here's well, the deal with Slack. Slack is a private company, so they can be subpoenaed. So anything you do say on Slack is available to the government. Right. 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 Okay, right. enough of this. Well, that was cheery. Okay. Well, joy. Yeah, great. Have a <laughs> well, well, gentlemen, have a good one. Enjoy, enjoy a chilly weekend, everyone. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And on that note... <laughs> brick a brick. In 20 years too late news, but still kind of cool, uh, <laughs> the Beastie Boys sabotage video has been remade with Sesame Street puppets. This is, of course, not authorized. Uh, this is by somebody. Uh, let's see. What's his name here? Adam Schleckelhorn. Schleckelhorn. Schleckelhorn? Schleckelhorn. Okay. A.K.A. Milo the Cat. He previously created videos of Sesame Street characters. So apparently his genre is uh, illegally re- re- reappropriating Sesame Street characters. Uh 
and lip sync in Bone Thugs and Harmonies, The Crossroads, and a previous Priestie Boys song, So What You Want. These videos have racked up millions of views on YouTube, thus getting him money for stealing other people's copyright. Having said all that, it is kind of a clever video. So, worth a watch. It's okay. quite funny. In uh, speaking of funny, the Chinese now have a sense of humor, which I think mm. is fantastic, which I, you know, we, we've lost our sense of humor in this country for, you the, think? for the past six months or so. Um, <laughs> Or maybe a couple of years. But anyway, they have uh, built a giant uh, solar plant. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like 250-acre solar farm. But yep. they shaped it like a giant panda. It is awesome. I it almost so want awesome. to just... I want to go to China just to fly over this thing. You could bring your drone and fly over and take some drone pictures. That's right. But yeah, I, I, Elon, get on this. I, why can't we have nice things like this? Feedback loop. We've got some new Patreon subscribers, so thank you so much for that. I'd like to uh, thank Marcus Naylor, Ilya Krasnov, and Eric, who wrote Jason a little comment. Uh, Hackintosh veteran here. It's okay. You'll be fine, Jason. LOL. Make sure to check out TonyMacX86.com. Jason will not be fine because he's not doing it. But thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. I did find that resource, which was one of the ones that made me go, oh, Jesus. And the whole point in the fun, Eric, would have been Jason not being fine. So... <laughs> you- yeah okay um and we got some paypal donations some one-timers from rafael booch and scott itterman thank you guys very very much yes uh, scott sent a little uh, comment as well special instructions hey now nah, i'll be nice just a huge thanks for the hundreds of hours of entertainment during long drives in canada and even bigger thanks for all the hard work you guys put in the show cheers scott nope cheers to you scott cheers thank you, you so much yes and uh, uh, I'll, I'll, we will get some maple cookies for with that money maybe yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that'll happen <laughs> uh we got some people writing into us at gog.show the first comes from chris uh just wanted to mention opera is owned by the chinese dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> dun. hey they just came up with panda farms so i'm kind of okay with that yeah. you guys discuss it a lot on the show but failed to mention that from a security perspective i'm not sure i can trust it but what can you trust these days Bingo. You just answered your own question, buddy. Um, yes. So. And uh, he also follows on with, I've been using the Brave browser based on the Chromium base. So far, so good. Works well on my iPhone, too. Much faster than everything else I've tried. Company is led by the original developer of Firefox, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, yeah, me either. And he says, not sure how the micropayments will work out, but I started contributing to sites I like. Maybe GOG.show can earn a few Bitcoin via Brave. Now, what he's talking about there is... What Brave has done is they've turned their whole system into kind of a flatter system. So they're building that into the browser. And I checked mm-hmm. it out, and I checked out some of the YouTube reviews about it, and it looks pretty cool, but it doesn't have all the functionality that a real browser needs, like Google Docs support, which is important. I can't use a browser that does not have Google Docs support. Yep, and, I agree. And on the Opera side of things, I went and I did some research on it. Yes, they, they are owned by a Chinese uh, investment f- firm now. Mm-hmm. But all of the original people are still there, and they're still based out of uh, somewhere in Scandinavia. Uh, it's all the same right. people because uh, they've been around forever. So the the core people didn't change; just the the people who get the check sent to them have, have changed. Got right, gotcha. All right, uh, we got another comment from Andy, a better password manager. Andy sends us a link from Bleeping Computer uh, with your regular discussion about password managers. I thought you might dig Horcrux. Uh, Andy, I cannot use this because I'm not a millennial <laughs> and I refuse to use anything that's named after Harry Potter. Oh, even though you've read all the books and love them. Uh, ah, 
Yeah, I did, but I, I still, I, there's, I, I cannot worship at the altar of Harry Potter. I, I cannot do it. Although I have to say clever name. So well done. Well, um, now, the point behind this one is they say it's dangerous behavior that password managers insert user credentials inside a page's DOM, which exposes them to malicious J- JavaScript scripts that can read those credentials while inside the forms before submission. So they get around that by putting in dummy credentials inside the login fields and then hacking the post request and put, replacing the dummy credentials with the real ones there. Um, <clears throat> now, they've admitted that this idea is not new. Other researchers proposed the same solution in the past. That solution was not adopted by the developers of other password managers due to usability and compatibility concerns, which is uh, fair enough. So. Yeah, and uh, usability and compatibility concerns are kind of what I want when I want a password manager to work. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, Going to stick with the yeah. one that uh, that we used to recommend quite a bit because it still works. I agree. So I'm not switching, but it is cool. I mean, uh, good good on them. And like I said, the the naming's quite clever. Uh, friend of the show Patrick wrote in regarding the Pyro Mini, which has now made two appearances on our show. I did go and verify that we had talked about that in the past. That was very funny. Um, he says, call me when the Tim Mini is done, and then you'll have a buyer and a clever link to YouTube uh, where there's the uh, Monty Python skit, which is very funny. All right. And Ken writes in, absolutely loving you guys. Only recently found your podcast thanks to CyberWire. Well, how about that? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever looked into publishing your podcasts on Deezer? Also, I've never heard of Deezer. I have. Um, is it worth publishing to? I... Here's the deal. We openly publish an RSS feed (laughs) that anybody can get our MP3s. So if Deezer wants to come get them, they can get them as long as we get the the credit for them and they don't fuck with our our show. I'm a little surprised that Deezer is actually still in business. I don't expect them to be around too much longer. If SoundCloud's still in business, you you, you never know. You never know. Could be around forever. And uh, Ilya Krasnov wrote in and said, thank you guys for an awesome show. Have been listening for about two years now. GOG is the only podcast I'm waiting for every week. When my wife sees me laughing with headphones over my ears, she knows I'm listening to GOG. You played a big role in my tech slash security slash privacy maturing process. And thanks for weekly lessons on persistence and quality work. Thank thank you. you. Mm -hmm. Now we got a big one here from Matt Nixon. Yes. Matt wrote in a couple weeks ago and we were, we took a bit to write back because we actually had to go find the answer for this. I'm 39 years old and a current student. I'm looking to do a career change and get out of trucking and into cybersecurity. Good move because trucking is going away and uh, possibly into the self-driving maintenance of future cars or the Internet of Things that the CyberWire talks about. (laughs) I'm enrolled in my local college for network server admin. Oh, bam, bam. Quiet, girl. As I know. Go ahead. I I guess you didn't get that. I guess you didn't get that dog size of. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't have the dog size mouse pad to roll her in yet <laughs> uh, okay must be must be dawn delivery okay okay he goes on to talk about his schooling but he says my question is where do i look for entry-level jobs i live in a tourist area where everything is outsourced from the next largest city over would it be beneficial for me to start at our geek squad or hold out to be a ticket taker and answer phones for the lowest level it for a year looking for some insight thanks so I reached out to friend of the show, Monkey13, who is in the cybersecurity business, and he says, I always like to get new people into our security teams when they come from the service desk or knock type jobs and net- network operations center jobs. Even better if they moved from that into systems or network operations. The more experience you get in those other support roles, the better mindset they will have in a security role. I've worked with people who got hired the same month. One was on the service desk for a year or two and one that just finished their security degree and was starting their master's in security. 
One was amazing right out of the gate and became a critical member of our team. The other struggled day to day just to try to figure out the basics. I will let you guess which is which. I would say definitely try to get into a helper service desk type role when you study security. Also let your manager or the powers that be know that you are very interested in the security side of the house, that they may have you focus a bit more on that side, even on the service desk. Good luck and have fun with that. This IT focus is very challenging, always changing, and frankly can be a lot of fun. Also look to see if there are any local security meetups. They are a great place to meet people with the same mindset and a great way to network. At our local meetups, we have found many people jobs in the industry, veteran security people, as well as people totally new to security. So thank you for that, Monkey13. And good luck, Matt. Yep, good luck. And thanks for listening. Uh, over at iTunes, we have a five-star rating from Master Weenus. Love that name. <clears throat> My inner dialogue in podcast form. Love the snark. These guys are the voice of every workforce nerd. In the best of ways, may all the snowflakes melt in hell. <laughs> nice. Thank you for that five-star rating. Uh, next it. comes from Chris Mann from Slovenia. Weekly dose mm. of tech, great pod, delivering tech news with healthy dose of humor. Be warned, though, may make you want to buy Chinese webcam. <laughs> yes, it might. <laughs> yes, it might. And that was another five-star uh, rating. Now we have a three-star rating. Oh, okay. <clears throat> from Capitan Stubisa. Okay. As far as I can tell. He's from Australia. Uh, and he says, I think the technology side of this podcast is okay, but as another reviewer has pointed out, they are just too ultra-progressive. Oh. I was but disappointed that they called PewDiePie a racist a-hole without even doing so much research into the entire incident. Well, he got fired by everybody, so I don't think that we were wrong about that one. And we're apologists to Charlie Hebdo Massacre. Hmm. Okay. I don't think. Okay. Anyways, they come off as a typical duo who would agree that milk is racist if NPR wrote an article about it. Well, I don't know if you read the story two weeks ago, but uh, half of Americans think that uh, chocolate milk comes from dare i say dark-skinned cows yeah so milk is fucking racist uh and fuck npr sorry <laughs> uh look obviously we have very different opinions about uh how the world is and how it should be captain stubases so you know no f f no harm no foul go listen to somebody else's show if you want your question or comment read on the show head over to gog.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air and if you're so inclined please head over to gog.show slash itunes and toss us a five star and a snarky review closing shout outs my shout out goes out to the new zombie gunship survival i finally hit level 30 <laughs> i'm done i deleted it from my devices so thank you for the fun times and you're welcome for the money. I actually paid. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I spent $25 on the game and it lasted me three weeks. So I thought that that was a, a fair price to pay and it is a fun game. All right. I'd like to give a shout out to America. Had a nice 4th of July and a wonderful half week which was fantastic. Yeah. I also want to say that uh, we're recording this on Saturday, July 8th uh, on this day in 2014. Germany played Brazil in the last World Cup. Uh, Germany, powerhouse. Brazil, probably the biggest powerhouse in soccer ever. Uh, they've won five World Cups. The Germany had only won three at that point. The final scoreline for the game, uh, probably my finest and most enjoyable soccer game I've ever watched. Seven to one, Germany. Absolutely <laughs> destroyed Brazil. Ah, the memories. I remember you talking about this, yes. I was in a pub in Toronto. They had handed me a bell to ring every time Germany won, assuming, you know, it'd be like a two-to-one game at best, probably with Germany losing. I rang that motherfucker every 10 minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. 
Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors and stuff we like. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast, go to GOG.show slash support, where you'll find all of the ways you can support the show and help keep us on the air. Learn more about all of the people who make the show possible, head over to GOG.show slash about. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 217. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs>